You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hey guys, it's Leslie. And I'm Lindsay. And we are here with my beautiful cousin, Kelsey. Hi, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) She is brave enough to share her story. We're so grateful for that. So um, let's just kind of dig in. Let's find out about you. How many kids do you have? I have three daughters. They are Lila, who is age five, Nora, who's age three, and Ava, who is seven months. Awesome. Did you experience postpartum with all of them? Yes. Oh, my goodness. So let's start from the beginning. All right. Well, with Lila, I when I was pregnant with her, um, I was really sick until 20 weeks. I, I mean, I was a really tiny person back then, and so I lost... 10 pounds, which was a lot at that point. Finally gained it back toward the end of my pregnancy um, after throwing up for months. (laughs) Um, And when I had her, I actually had to be induced with her two weeks early because I had interuterine growth restriction, which means that the baby wasn't growing anymore. Um, and that the placenta wasn't feeding her or giving her nutrients or it was, but it was dying slowly. Um, and had she come any later or on her own, she very well might've died. Hmm. That was scary because I went to that ultrasound on my own. Um, my husband was at school. We lived in Provo at the time. He was at school in Salt Lake. Um, I don't have family here and my in-laws were in St. George. So I was alone. There was no one that could come over and be with me while I was finding this out. I remember just sobbing um, because I was just so scared. They they didn't really deliver the news all that well. (laughs) So they told me during the ultrasound, oh, yeah, she's growing at a rate of 35 weeks and you're 38 weeks right now. So we're going to have to induce her. Oh, also, the cord's wrapped around her neck. Okay. So, yes. No. I'm like, oh, no super. That's so great. I'm so happy about this. So I was terrified. I'm crying. And this nurse, she saw me and knew I was all alone. She came and sat with me. She gave me her personal cell phone number so I could call her Aww. if I needed to. If And just, I don't remember her name. I just remember that she was like an angel. <laughs> I needed her right at that moment. So I had Lila. Um, I was almost an emergency C-section because her heart rate dropped from 150 to 50. Mm -hmm. And then when we were in the OR, I went from a five dilation to a 10 in 10 minutes. So they wheeled me right back to the room. And and then I had her with the help of a vacuum, which is not what I wanted. But I was like, just get the baby out. Yeah. Just get her out so that she's okay. No NICU time. She was perfect. Everything was great. And I remember a week later, we were at my my in-law's house, and I was feeling really good. I was happy, and everything was fine. And I remember saying to my mother-in-law, oh, I'm so grateful that I don't have postpartum depression. <laughs> and, then, and then I was home with her for three months, and then I went back to work. But during those three months, I remember 
just not knowing what to do. I had no idea how to take care of a baby. I was nursing her and it hurt and I was freaking out and I really wanted to nurse and I'm going to preface this with I've nursed all of my babies to at least the first two to 15 months and then the sec- the third one I'm still nursing. So good for and you. I've pushed through it and it's been a wonderful journey for me but I do not blame anyone for not wanting to nurse or not continuing to nurse because I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember pushing through it and I think that's when I started to really realize that something was wrong is there was one day I was sitting in my rocking chair and we had to go somewhere. So my husband, his name's Jacob, he was coming to talk to me and I just remember I had gotten all ready and Ava, or not Ava, Lila, she had spit up in my hair and I had gotten ready that day, which was Hmm. huge. Monumental. Yeah. Yeah. Like I straightened my hair. I looked so nice and she had threw up right in my hair. I remember I just burst out in tears and then I had to refeed her because she would vomit everything up Hmm. and then she was hungry again. And so I needed to refeed her and I remember sitting in the rocking chair just sobbing like this sucks (laughs) this is not what I thought it was gonna be this is awful I I didn't want to do it I was really sad I was really at that moment I was really mad that she even dared to throw up on me (laughs) you know a little few week old baby and I'm I'm like are you kidding me couldn't you have aimed somewhere else (laughs) and of course no she couldn't she was a little baby in that moment Jacob was just like are you okay and I'm like I don't know. I'm sure I'm fine. Um, and then it, you know, we went. I fixed my hair. We took a little extra time. I was able to wash it out of my hair and blow dry and re-straighten and get everything the way that I wanted. And then we left. And I was like, okay, it's going to be fine. It's not a big deal. And then I remember after that, it was just, I was so mad. From then on, I was just angry angry at him, angry that soon I was going to have to go back to work full time. So I just was a very angry person, which is not my personality. I'm a very easygoing, I'm going to sound really conceited right now, but I'm a really nice person. Yes, you are. And I really, I pride myself in that. Mm. I, I try to be kind to people. And so the fact that I was just so angry and so, I just didn't want to be around anyone. Finally, it comes time to me, for me to go back to work. And I was dreading it. Jacob was in school and he worked part-time in Salt Lake City. And again, we were in Provo at this time. And I worked in Provo, but I had to drop Lila off in Spanish Fork with my in-laws. And I remember the first day, I just, I, it was, I was still angry at everyone and everything. I remember feeling like I was losing out. I was a bad mom because I was going back to work and I didn't want to go back to work. I, I wanted to be home with her. It was weird to me that I wanted to be home with her, but I was also really just mad at everything and everyone. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily mad at her. I was just mad. So I remember dropping her off and for the next six months, I was insanely jealous of my mother-in-law because I felt like she was raising my baby. Yeah. And... Marilyn, if you're listening to this, I love you so much. I appreciate you so much. But I resented going there because because she got to do all the things that I wanted to do. I distanced myself from them because I was so jealous. <laughs> and I would drop Lila off at 
eight in the morning and I wouldn't get back until six or six thirty to pick her up. And then the rest of the night she was sleeping. So I was just like, this sucks. That's so <laughs> I don't hard. even get to be yeah. around my child. I just, I go to work and then I come back and then I get to be part of her life on weekends where we're all exhausted mm-hmm. and that just, just want to do nothing. So I was mad, really mad, and just so angry. And then we had the opportunity to move to Salt Lake City to go live in student housing while my husband was in school. And I was able to stay home. And I was so excited because I was like, I'm finally, I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to get out of this rut. I'm going to feel so much better because I'm going to be home with her. I'm going to get to know her better. I'm going to get to see the milestones. I'm going to get to see her walk like that was the next big thing for her and I did I got to see all those things but I remember the first few days of being home I just sat there and was like what are we gonna do she's like nine months old (laughs) she can crawl around uh I guess I'm gonna watch shows and she's gonna hang out with me and we're gonna play and it's gonna be great so we lived in an area where um you could go outside and eat dinner with everyone and just hang out and get to know your neighbors and it was really good because that helped me kind of sort of pull myself out of this depression that I was in um but I never let go of basically flying off the handle Mm -hmm. being angry at tiny things that didn't matter I've stopped being angry or jealous of people of stop being angry at my husband stop being jealous of my mother-in-law Um, since then she's become one of my closest friends Mm -hmm. and greatest confidants so so that's wonderful um I don't think I ever really came out of it of the depression it definitely helped to have so many people around me did you have did you talk to any doctors or anything at this point with her or um had you just kind of confided in your husband and that was kind of it did you even realize you were experiencing depression or? I think I did. Um, so when Lila was about four months old, Jacob and I went on a date for our anniversary. And we were four-wheeling and it was really fun. And when we got to the top of the mountain, we were just kind of hanging out. And he was like, I really wanted to talk to you. Um, I feel like something's really wrong. I feel like you're not yourself. And... And I know that a lot of this is really hard on you and it's hard to go back to work and I appreciate you for doing that so that I can go to school and but something's wrong and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I have postpartum depression. And he was like, yeah, I was going to say you have like the baby blues. I'm like, yeah, we're past that. <laughs> yeah, it's a little deeper. We're past the baby blues. <laughs> um, and so he suggested I go talk to my doctor. So when I did, um, she was really condescending. <sighs> like... She was a doctor that had six kids, and she went through medical school while she was having children, and, you know, just... That's the last thing you need to hear. Things. Especially from another woman. Yeah. Right. Come on. Well, and the thing was, she prescribed me... I don't remember what she prescribed me. She prescribed me something, and she's like, you don't need to be ashamed. It wasn't, like, nice, and, you know, I understand that this is really hard for you. I'm so sorry that this is happening. There's no need to feel ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. It's great that you're coming to get help. It was like, you don't need to feel ashamed. Just here. But not in a comforting way at all. No, and maybe that works for some people. But for me, it was like, 
not a mom in postpartum. Thank you for the comfort. I appreciate your sensitivity to my situation here. Right. Um, mm. So I started taking it. I remember I started feeling a little better, which is everyone's downfall. So I started feeling a little better and I was like, and I'm not good at taking medication. I'm just not. I, I forget everything. I have to set alarms to feed my kids throughout the day. I just wasn't good at taking medicine and I was feeling better. So I was like, eh, I'm done. I didn't even wean. I just mm. stopped taking it and I felt okay. At least what I thought was okay. Cause I don't think the medicine really was helping. I think it was just like kind of doling it. And then I just dealt with everything else just on my own and not very well. And how did it, did it make you uncomfortable or nervous to have your second? And how long, how far apart are they? They are two years and two months apart. So Lila was 18 months when we started, well, when we got pregnant with Nora. Um, And I was really excited. I knew that I probably would have postpartum depression again. Um, And so I was a little nervous for that, but we lived in a place that, like I said, was so full of community mm-hmm. that basically it wasn't acceptable for me not to go outside. They didn't care what I looked like. They didn't care that I hadn't brushed my teeth. They were just like, come outside. Your kids want your kid wants to play. We want to talk to you, so come outside. And if I didn't, they came and knocked on my door. And so I was outside Bravo. Like most of the year. We would go outside when it was snowing, which I hate because I'm from Phoenix. <laughs> and... <laughs> We, I mean, we were outside all the time. Yeah. And so it was, it was awesome that I was out there with other women that understood my situation. Like their husbands were all in school. Um, they were working. There was just, I mean, we had so much in common that I felt comfortable and safe there. Um, so I was excited to get pregnant again. We had planned it that time. We didn't plan it with Lila. Um, we'd planned to be pregnant and so when we were pregnant I was like yes we're ready for this I'm so excited I kind of had a little bit of antepartum depression um with Nora when I was pregnant with her and my doctor prescribed Zoloft and I went on it and I rode that out throughout my pregnancy and it was awesome and I felt good and everything was going great and then Nora was born and who knew we were going to be on a birthing podcast right now but my water broke with her at 37 weeks and three days which isn't that early it's early but it's not that early um and I had her it was great I loved that birthing experience it was my best one um we went home I was missing my daughter I was missing Lila so much she was in Spanish fork with my in-laws because they're awesome and took her and had her for an extra day so that we could have a day to get used to having Nora home. The day that she got home, it was great. It was wonderful. They, she loved Nora. She wanted to be around her, and Nora was happy that Lila was there, at least not screaming. Yeah. So <laughs> it was great. But that night, I started to get a really bad headache, um, and I wasn't feeling super well. And then I started coughing, which, you know, after you have a baby is the worst. Yeah. The absolute worst. And so, so that was on a Wednesday night. On Thursday, we were supposed to be going to Lagoon with Jacob's work. And I was excited to go. I wasn't going to ride anything, but I was just excited to get out of the house. It was a miracle that that was that day because Jacob came home early from work. And um, 
he got home and I was like, Jacob, I have this headache and it hurts so bad. My head, it feels like it's going to explode. Um, and he like pushed my arm and there, like, there's a big dent in my arm where he pushed. Um, and it turned out that I had postpartum preeclampsia. Um, there was a point before we knew, um, that I had it, that I couldn't breathe. Um, so we called 911. I was able to breathe during that. Jacob like ripped my shirt off of me and was rubbing my back and trying to help me. And he ran Lila over to a friend's house, like just picked her up and ran her over and ran back. Um, and we had to rush to the hospital. The ambulance came every, I mean, it was a show. People were freaking out. We get to the hospital 11 hours in the ER and I had a full on anxiety attack because they gave me a medication that one of the side effects, a very small amount of people get panic attacks because of it. So while I was getting an MRI, I had a panic attack. Oh, jeez. Um, and you can't do anything. No, you can't. Stuck. So I held still. I did not move. I remember Nora was only a couple of days old. And I'm thinking, they don't know what's wrong with me. Something is wrong. And they don't know what's wrong with me. And I'm going to die in here. And my baby's out there screaming because they told me not to nurse her because I was getting dye injected, which is false, everyone. The dye does not go into your breast milk. So you can still nurse if you have to get a CT or an MRI. Just letting everyone know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they told me not to nurse her. We didn't have anything. We didn't have diapers. We didn't have... We just rushed to the hospital. Yeah. And Lila was with a friend. Jacob's parents drove all the way back up, picked Lila up. And I remember Marilyn, my mother-in-law, came in and she saw me on the bed. And I'm sitting there in fetal position, shaking, because I... People were trying to ask me questions, trying to talk to me, and I could not respond. I was just, it was the worst. It was just, I was in my head, and I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I have two kids. My husband's in school, and I'm going to die tonight. This is mm. so scary, and no one knows what's happening, and 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 they're not they're not helping me. Yeah. I'm, I'm here, and nothing's happening. They finally gave me the diagnosis, and I was admitted, and luckily they let Ava, or Nora stay with me. Um, and they provided diapers and they, I mean, they were wonderful. They just took care of us. After that, I was just like so scared. So when we got home, I just was afraid of, of everything. Like, yeah, I can imagine after all that. Yeah. So it was like, I was scared of taking my kids out. I was scared of, you know, little coughs of little children. And we lived around a lot of them. Um, Right after we got home, there was an outbreak of hand, foot, and mouth in our little area. That stuff is from the devil. Yeah. The worst. And so luckily, my children didn't get it, but that's because I was freaking out about everything. So I was like, we are not going outside. We are not talking to anybody. We are here, and we are staying here. So I finally got over that little bout of anxiety that never really left. Um, and you didn't take the Zoloft anymore or any... I was taking it, okay. but it didn't but that really... I mean, anxiety, really. No, it, it just... I was taking it, and then I finally decided that I was okay. Because apparently I didn't learn the first time. Um, so I decided I was okay, and I was done with it. And um, so Nora was born in June. From August, when Jacob went back to school, um, through 
that November thing has just started to decline for me because he was in his oh his last year of his master's program and he is an architect so he was in architecture school everything is at school like Mm -hmm. you can't bring your work home when you're making models I mean you are creating things and it has to stay there and so he was like not home very much at all which I don't blame him for because he had to do that and I appreciate that he did that but I was learning how to be a mother of two and I was potty training Lila and I was nursing Nora and she was a champ at it um so that was great I wasn't worried about that but it was just trying to get schedules on and trying to figure out how to how to be a mom because I still was learning I was only 24 and I had two kids I just have to tell everybody my husband is such a good man he really is is, I'm gonna cry he's the best man that I've ever known and so he works so hard for our family and he is so intelligent and so smart and so wonderful and so I do not blame him at all for any of this because I understand that it's my brain chemistry and finally figured it out (laughs) that's what's going on but I I was still getting to know the people around me and I I loved them I loved all those people but they didn't know me very well and I didn't know them very well so I didn't really rely on anyone I just kind of did my own thing and um, I remember it was a night in November early November maybe late October and I was putting Lila to bed and she had a hard time going to bed. She vomited, projectile vomited when she was really upset. Hmm. But I think it was one of the nights where she did that and the baby was crying and I hadn't made dinner. Like for me, I made her like a plate of chicken nuggets and I'm just sitting there going, I can't do this. I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't be a mom. What am I thinking? I have given up so many things, which I've never thought of it that way before because I don't feel like I've given anything up because my whole life dream has been to be a mom. Mm -hmm. But I got pregnant with Lila my first day back to college because I wasn't able to go directly after high school. And so I went for a semester and then I had a baby. And then I was going to go back and I decided I wanted to have another baby so that they weren't super far apart. And that's still my story (laughs) which is okay and I'm happy with the way that it's gone um but I felt that night I've given up so much and I feel like I'm getting nothing in return like which is awful because I I felt so it was so rewarding to be a mom all the time and sometimes it was really rewarding and other times it was the worst which is normal for everyone it is and you know like if you add on top of all of that like the postpartum depression that's when when the difference comes in between yes it's a sacrifice to be a mom and I love being a mom but it's also hard that's when that balance is so far off because chemically your brain tells you no 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 this is the worst this is awful this is terrible and tells you all those lies and it becomes your truth like that's why postpartum sucks because it only shines light on the negative part of it and you believe it and it does that to me in it my postpartum depression has gotten really good with me i uh i only focus on negative things about myself as a mother like i yell i am mean i am just the worst mom ever and i i thought that to myself i'm like 
other moms, they could handle this no problem. They feel so comfortable taking care of crying children. They make dinner. They have dishes done. They do all of these things. And I can't do anything. I suck at this. I felt so inadequate um, having a child throwing up and a child screaming and dishes upon dishes because there's no dishwasher and I'm at home and my husband's not and our house is a mess and it's just everything. Everything happened that night and that was the night that I had five separate ways of how I was going to kill myself. Mm. They came to my mind within minutes. Mm. It was one right after the other. You could do it this way. 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 And I was like, oh, something's really wrong. Something is really, really, really wrong. I I don't want to do that. I was thankfully still lucid enough in my mind that I knew that that was not what I wanted. I knew that I didn't want to actually kill myself, even though it seemed like such a good idea. Mm -hmm. I just... I remember that was the night that I had to tell my husband and I, I, for some reason, I just really don't want to burden anyone ever, like even without postpartum depression or depression or anxiety or anything. I just don't want to burden people. I want to be the helper. And so he's in the middle of midterms in his final year of his master's program. And here I come and I say, we need to talk. He was like, okay, what's up? Like, I don't want to alarm you. But tonight I had five separate ways of how I was going to kill myself. And he was like, okay, well, that does alarm me. (laughs) So let's sit down and talk. So we sat down and we talked. And I was like, I don't want to end my life. I need you to understand that. I don't think I'm going to, but I know I need to see someone. So I decided I was going to see a psychiatrist. And because then they could prescribe me something. And then I could really be diagnosed and told, okay, this is postpartum depression, or this is depression, or this is anxiety, or whatever. I called around, and it took, in order for me to see a psychiatrist, as a nurse practitioner, but he was trained in psychiatry, um, I could see him in two weeks. Everyone else was more than two months out. And I was like, this is a crisis. And they were like, you can go to the crisis center. I'm like, I don't want to go to the crisis center. I want to just see someone. And I was scared. Because I thought for sure they were going to lock me up. Like, yeah. and I wasn't going to see my kids. And I love those kids. <laughs> and I love being around them. And which is, I just feel so conflicted even saying that. Because it is 100% true. I love them so much. And then I also just need a break. Yeah. Like, and I felt like I wasn't ever getting that break. And it just built and built and built. Jacob told me that I needed to tell someone near that something was wrong because he couldn't be home. I decided I was going to tell this girl. Um, and she, we weren't super close. Um, she had some a kid that was Lila's age. Um, she is now my best friend. She said, bring your kids to my house. Come sit on my couch every day. Come over. And it was just walking across the apartment complex. I mean, We lived in the same building. It was just, bring your kids. I don't care if you're not dressed. I don't care if you just want to sleep. I don't care if you want to just watch TV with me. Just come over. And so I did. And every day I went over and I hung out at her house. And I watched TV and got to know her. And to this day, she is one of my very best friends. And I'm so grateful that she did that for me. Because I don't know what I would have done. 
I don't know how I would have treated my children in that interim. I don't know how I would have treated my husband. And I don't know how I would have treated myself because I was so ready. I had a history of cutting myself when I was in high school. And so I was ready to do that again. I was just like, I can, I can just do this. I can just hurt myself a little bit. Enough to, to hurt, but not to, you know, die. And I didn't ever do that. I never, it never came to that because I had someone to go to and sit and not feel like I needed to do anything or be anything. I just could feel the numbness and that was okay. How long were you in that space? I went over there until the day we moved away. So in the space of feeling numb, of, of hating myself, of sometimes I still feel it. Yeah. Um, I went on medication and it made me sick, like really, really sick. And so I went off that medication with doctor's permission and then tried a new one. And that one didn't really help. And I wasn't getting in. And so I just was like, screw it. Yeah. I'm done. I don't blame you. I'm done. I don't want to keep trying. It's so hard to even try to feel better that I'm sick of it. I'm sick of trying to feel better when I know I can just maybe I can help myself. Maybe my friends can help me. And they did. They helped so much. I mean, people were there for me in ways that I didn't realize I needed them to be there for me. So one of my things is I really wanted to share my stories because telling people is the way that a lot of people can feel better. I I am not opposed to medication. I am actually going to be going on medication soon. Um, after advice from my psychologist recently at that point in my life it was not I'm sure I needed it I'm sure of it but it just it didn't happen because not because I wasn't trying or because I wasn't trying to actively seek help but because the medication that I had made me so sick and the other one didn't help yeah that's discouraging and I just was done I was and it's so hard to pull yourself up and try and do things for yourself when you already don't like yourself. Yeah. And you're already like, well, I, the world would be better off. My children would have a much better mother if my husband just married someone else. Mm-hmm. If he found someone who was better than me, even now sometimes I feel like I'm not quite that person, even though he has assured me time and time again that I am. And it's very hard to feel that way when when you look down on yourself um, and when postpartum depression tells you that you're not good enough and that you suck and that you're the worst mom and that your kids hate you even though I know they love me my kids want to be around me all the time to the point that I'm like go away I love you (laughs) go away I know they love me and so it's very hard to shake that when everything is telling you positive things and your mind just fights it says nope you can't believe that people lie people people don't tell you the truth when they really do Mm -hmm. people are most people are good and the people in your life at least in my life that are closest to me are good people so when i told my friend that i had this and she invited me to come over um jacob asked me to share it with a couple other people and i opened up to my mom And I opened up to my mother-in-law and 
neither of them judged me. I was so scared, so scared that they were going to be like, do I need to come up and, you know, make sure you don't hurt your children or hurt mm-hmm. yourself? It mm-hmm. was, oh, just tell us what we can do. My mom was a state away. She couldn't help really, but she called. She made sure I was okay. Um, I told my sister she was, she had had a baby the same time as me. Um, and I was like, hey, if you ever are feeling down, you need to go get help. Which is so funny coming from me because I never really did. Um, but I tried so hard to help other people. Um, I ended up opening up to a lot of people that I lived around. Um, and we kind of helped each other through it. We did a mom swap where we would go over to the church next to us. And we had permission to go and play in the nursery once a week. And half the moms would go home and have an hour by themselves and the other half watch the kids and the next week it was opposite i love that that's Um, awesome (laughs) it was amazing i mean i looked forward to the times where even just watching the other people's kids oh yeah get to chat with your friends and And switch it up my kids get to play somewhere new and it was wonderful um, so we really supported each other. And then my husband graduated and we moved. And I was really excited about this move because we lived in cinder block walls mm-hmm. and on the third floor. And just, I mean, we lived in student housing, so it was crap. And it was <laughs> wonderful and crazy, but it was it was not the nicest place. So we moved to a nicer place. And suddenly I was alone. And... I didn't know how to be alone anymore. I didn't know how how to do it. I didn't know how to be a mom and be alone, and, and it was really hard. Um, but we got through it. Everything went pretty well. I mean, we still had our ups and downs, and I still had, whether it was postpartum depression or had it morphed into depression, we kind of chugged along, and we're doing fine. And then um, we decided we were ready for our third. Um, how old was Nor? Nora? Nora. She was almost two when we got pregnant. Yeah, so with Ava, um, the beginning of my pregnancy, first couple weeks were fine, and then it hit, and I was so sick. I lost 20 pounds in two weeks. Um, I couldn't eat anything. I threw up anything that touched my lips except for lime popsicles. It was miserable for me, and I finally went on a medication that my doctor got me every sample in her office after that I just I went back to feeling numb Mm. and kind of resentful and angry the anger came back with like an ugly fierce roar it was back and it was just anything anything my oldest did I was just yelling it was it didn't matter if it was you know she was just trying to get a snack and she dropped something. I was like, are you kidding me? You don't need to get this. Why don't you just ask me for help? You know, she's just trying to be helpful. She's just trying to be a good kid and I'm mad about it. And I, and that spiraled me into hating myself again because I was so mad about little things that didn't matter. I feel like the, like the guilt of being angry just like feeds the angry. You yeah. know what I mean? Because, I mean, there, I felt like there was nothing I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there was one day where, not one day, like a week, where I just didn't get out of bed. I got out of bed to go to the bathroom and to change diapers if I needed to. And 
I was mad if Lila needed me to help her wipe, which moms do. I mean, I was mad because you've been going to the bathroom. You've been using the toilet for so long. You don't need my help. And then I'd be mad if there was stuff in her underwear later because she's four and doesn't know how to wipe herself. And so I was mad about everything. And that was when you were pregnant still. I was pregnant. Oh, man. Um, So what happens from there? um, Well, so I went and saw my doctor and I told her basically everything. Just, you know, I'm a horrible person. (laughs) I'm a terrible person. I don't like myself. I don't get out of bed. I yell at my kids. I treat them like they're nothing. She decided, well, you've been on this medication and this medication, and it hasn't seemed to help. We need to put you on a higher one, but it it does. There are some risks. And I'm like, okay. Like, I was really nervous. And I went to the pharmacy, and the pharmacist printed out a bunch of literature about how um, the baby babies can be addicted to this type of medication and how um, basically when they're born you have to treat them as if they're a drug addict like a drug addicted baby Um, and sometimes it can sometimes you can have like a spontaneous abortion uh, because of this medication like it just all of this stuff all of these bad things and i'm like i am not going on this medication and this is from your pharmacist not even not the doctor your doctor no it was the pharmacist and i am grateful that he told me because i if i had gone on it and something like that had happened i would never have forgiven myself yeah we already beat ourselves up enough so i'm grateful that he told me so i told my husband and i was like i can't go on it I don't know how I'm going to... I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how how I'm going to be better. At least three or four months. Oh, jeez. So I wasn't very far along. I mean, and I was like, I I can't do this to the baby. And I I can't keep doing this to our kids. Um, And so we looked... We just... That night, we looked things up online, like natural remedies to help depression. Um, And I still have it taped up on my my uh bathroom mirror i cut them out and highlighted them and tried to make them all pretty and it's like okay if you're feeling depressed make sure that you're getting exercise make sure that you're going and doing things that you used to like even if you don't want to even if you don't like them right now make sure that you're talking to people even if it's hard or scary reach out for help um just try to continue living even if you don't want to so, I mean, it was like all these little things. And I was like, this is stupid. None, none of these are going to help. It's too hard to even try to get dressed in the day. I, I don't want to get up. I don't want to get dressed. Um, and so once we taped that up, I was just like, I have to find at least a morsel of motivation. And it was because of my kids that I could find that morsel of motivation of like, okay, here we go. I got out of bed today. Yeah. And okay. I am going to brush my teeth with my finger today because the toothbrush makes me sick. Okay, I'm adding the toothbrush and I feel okay. Okay. Baby steps. I I mean, it was like day by day I was getting a little bit better. So I whenever I felt angry, I would basically run to my room and I'd close the door 
and I would just sit there and seethe and yell into my pillow everything I wanted to say. And then I'd take a deep breath and I'd go back out there and I was all right for a minute. And then I'd do it again. And I tried really hard to not take it out on my kids. And that was really hard. Um, but I did it and I did those 10 steps of trying to be a little better, trying to feel a little better. And I was starting to feel better. And then I got put on bed rest. So I went on bed rest for four weeks and it was really hard, but it was the most humbling experience of my life because we had people from our church bringing meals. uh, I think it was twice, maybe three times a week. And my husband took care of everything. Like I am, well, now I am on top of like doing laundry and dishes and At that point, I was on top of it. That was something I could control, so I was doing it. And so then I couldn't, and I couldn't get up. I couldn't lift things. I couldn't do anything, and so he was doing it all. And I was like, I feel terrible. I feel so bad. I can't do this. And it was probably the best thing for me, not only the fact that my baby wasn't born at 32 weeks, but that I had to rely on someone, had to rely on others. Um, and then I had Ava at 37 weeks and three days after having to have her be turned inside of my belly. And then she was here after another really terrible experience of being born. My, my doctor literally had to reach her hands in and pull her out because a vacuum didn't work. She had too much hair and she was my biggest at you know a full six pounds and 15 ounces Mm. um and and nothing was working to get her out and she had the cord wrapped around her neck so it was just a really not a great experience and then when we got home i just was so happy i was so thrilled to be home and i felt so good it was a week before christmas and i was just so excited to have my family all home before christmas and everything was good and everything was going so well and in February, I took a trip with my kids. I drove all three of my kids from Salt Lake City to Las Vegas, and then from Las Vegas to Phoenix and Gilbert, Arizona. And I mean, I went and visited family, and I was feeling so good. And then the anger came back. I don't think it ever really left, but it definitely subsided. Mm-hmm. And then the lack of motivation happened again. And then the really bad thoughts of just randomly not even at any particular moment it was just like oh hey you're holding a knife what if you slit your throat right now i was like i don't want to be thinking that i I, why would i even want to do that i i have no reason to want to do that i'm happy or i feel like i'm happy and they happen they still happen which is why i'm going on medication but they still happen every once in a while where i just have random thoughts of oh, look, there's this, you could do this, or, you know, just random things, or like, we live in a a condo building, and we're on the fourth floor, so we have a trash chute, which I have always loved, because I'm like, I feel like I'm on Friends, I get to have a trash chute like they do in New York City, (laughs) this is wonderful, and there was a day where I was like, what if I drop my baby down there, Mm, my gosh, I'm like, I can never take her out there with me, when I'm taking out the garbage, I can never take her out, because I don't want to do that. 
every once in a while and it's love luckily it's never been when i have her and i'm around something like this but like we have a balcony and i'm went out there to go clean stuff up and i'm like what if i did the whole michael jackson move where i mm-hmm. hold her out over the balcony i'm like i don't want to do that we're four stories up she would die mm-hmm. and i don't want her to die i love my children i love them all so much and i don't want to feel this way i and i don't even feel like i want to do it it's just like what if you did this if you're listening to the podcast just know that it's been this podcast that's brought me to the conclusion that i need to go back on medication and stick with it even if it doesn't feel like it's working or if it doesn't feel like it's working go figure out how to get a new one and that we have a right to fight for ourselves i mean i even if you're tired ask someone else to fight for you because it's worth it because my kids love me ask someone else to fight if you need someone to fight for you because if you don't feel like you have the time or the motivation or the resources or anything to fight for yourself there is someone out there that's willing to fight Yep, people people will fight for you because because it's worth it um my my kids i went to texas last month to go visit my brother and his family they had just had a new baby and i went out to go help and i only took the baby with me so it was just me and my my baby and my other two girls my husband called me one of the nights and he showed me what my girls do when i'm not there and it was bedtime and my three-year-old was in her bed screaming for mom Mm. just i want mama i want mommy i want mommy and i'd been gone for just a couple of days and she just was screaming and thrashing around Mm -hmm. and crying and hurting because she wanted mom and it was so painful to see but the best reminder for me Mm -hmm. of yeah I don't care if you don't feel like you want to do this. You need to get help so that you don't ever get to a place where you really do. Mm -hmm. Um, Because my kids mean everything to me. And even if sometimes I feel numb or like they're driving me up a wall, they're my everything. And my husband is my everything. That if I left them and did it because I didn't take care of myself, it would be the most devastating thing for me and for them. So really quick, I just, just before we end, I just want to know, you know, maybe that night when you thought of the five ways, one of your darkest nights, whatever it is, or moments or feelings, what would you now, even though you're still somewhat in it right now, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. still in it. Yeah. Um, But maybe, you know, a little more now than you did that first time. What would you tell a mom out there that's in that space? Even maybe you're walking right beside her. What would you say? First, I would want to give them a big hug. (laughs) Because it sucks and it's so hard. And it is so scary to ask for help or to open up. So I I would say if you're comfortable with the people around you and talking to them, not just, not just like your husband or your family but if you have friends that you feel comfortable opening up to do it tell them tell them the thoughts don't worry about what it sounds like tell them this is what's going through my head please help me if you're not 
call an anonymous line or go to a help center if you can get there do it or call or open up to a stranger just tell someone what's happening because people are better than we think Mm -hmm. people care and if one person doesn't that doesn't mean the next person won't so it's okay to be let down and I know it's discouraging and I know it's scary but you're worth fighting for and your family wants you to fight no one is a better mom for your kids than you are in all of your flaws and all of your all of your shortcomings no one is better for those kids than you that was amazing <laughs> it's fine i'm just gonna sit here and cry for me <laughs> i love you thank you so much thanks for having that me was so vulnerable and amazing and i just i'm so grateful that you're willing to share this story because i know that for all of us it's something that's personal and that we you know most of us that have shared it's not something that we just tell everybody so i know women the whole time i've listened to your story i know women right now that are experiencing those exact feelings and i I just can't wait to share this with them so thank you so much thank you for having me you're amazing and i had to pull out my phone at the end and just start taking notes of things you were saying that i want to remember for myself because you had some really great words of wisdom so thank you so much for sharing that with us Thank you for listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. If you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us, please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.